0: Think of your favorite coach. What made them the best? Their approach, their experience, their knowledge. Maybe how they could take game-time scenarios and break them down into situations during practice. Maybe they saw something in you that you didn't. How they pushed you to go further. Their consistency in correction and encouragement. And of course, one of my favorites, ridiculously practical advice. Those characteristics overlap with great leaders as well. Now I've got a guy you need to hear from. He's today's guest. Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast, where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. I'm your host, Steve Shear, and today's episode is bringing you a practical guide for relentless growth. Sound good? I, I mean, it is pretty good. <laughs> today's conversation is the returning guest, Lyle Wells. Lyle's a father... He's a husband, he's the president of Integris Leadership, and he's a pastor. This guy is the coach that you still talk about from back in the day. And he's written a book for you, The Five Day Leader, an insanely practical guide for relentless growth, ridiculous routines and resilient relationships. See, it's already sounding better and better. Now, I love this guy. You're going to love him, too. Let's get into it with Lyle Wells, president of Integris Leadership and author of The Five Day Leader. All right, Lyle, thank you so much uh, for coming back on. It is crazy to think, as we were just talking before starting recording, uh, it's crazy to think that it was August, I believe, of 2020 when we published the first interview. Um, so and I'm, I'm interested to hear, you know, uh, what have you been up to since our last conversation?
1: Well, Steve, you know, we uh, helped leaders navigate uh a global pandemic. So, you know, walk <laughs> yeah, <that's> through, <laughs> walking people through the most challenging time of leadership, probably in our lifetime. Uh, you know, getting the book uh, across the finish line has been kind of a, a passion project for the last 15 months or so. You know, seeing our organization grow and the impact of Integris grow. Uh, walked my daughter down the aisle uh, a year and a half ago. So that was, uh, and then turned around and actually got to perform the ceremony. So that was a, a life highlight. And then, uh, you know, I'm I'm just started about three or four months ago, uh, a role as a bivocational senior pastor. I had done that before in Florida, but met, uh, met some friends uh, here in Texas that were at a church that were in need of a pastor. And I told them I'd help them find one, never thinking it would be me. But God kind of, kind of, you know, I, we joke, it's kind of like a guy and a girl that were friends their freshman and sophomore year in college, and then one day their junior year, they look at each other and decide they really like each other. And so um, I'm senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Franklin, Texas, still leading Integris and uh, really enjoying this last six months or so since the book's been released of uh, getting to share with people the, the message of the five-day leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So last time was so valuable and uh, I've told
0: you, you know, through social media and like all these different things, but, uh, but I will say that I, I'm not the only one that's excited to see where this conversation ends up. Um, but before we get into the content of the book, I would love if you could pull back the curtain a little bit uh, for us.
1: What are some lessons that you learned as you wrote the five-day leader? Well, Steve, the first one is just you won't understand how to receive incredibly critical feedback until you've written a book. I think every leader should go through the process. Uh, I've spent 15 years talking about how to have hard conversations, giving and receiving feedback. but when you when you create a manuscript and then you hand it to a content editor, whose sole job is to find what's wrong with your book to a content and, and to a copy editor I mean Steve I got the first manuscript my manuscript back the first time and there was over 600 grammatical errors it was like did I did I even take English in high school how could how could I be so bad at this and uh, but I loved I, I grew to love the idea of, of having people whose sole job is to give you feedback to make you better. And they're not gentle about it. You know, so I love that. I think the idea of persistence that, I mean, this is the first book that I've ever released. And Steve, you know, I sat in the spring of 2020, right before our first conversation for three days and, you know, wrote 12,000 words a day. uh, This message that had been stirring in my heart. I had fasted and prayed about it. And, and you know, you think 36,000 words, you know, you're going to add some illustrations and some stories and land at about 40,000, but you think you're pretty much done. And by the, you know, when you finish your first manuscript, you're about maybe 20% of the way to getting a book across the finish line. So I love the idea of the feedback. I love the idea of what it taught me about persistence. And then the other thing is, I think when, you, when you're when you putting something on a written page that other people are going to read and it's, you know, it's not going to go away for a while, uh, you really do work on clarifying your voice. And that's where this idea of this insanely practical, I mean, that really helped me refine my voice. So I've been a better teacher. I've been a better leader. I've been a better pastor because I I wrote the book.
0: It's so good. And I can imagine That those people that are paid to do the six find the six hundred grammatical errors the the even the strongest of people have to have some sort of insecurities rising up inside of them of yeah like did I even take English class or you know what am I did I write this book because they just crossed everything off so thank you for sharing that because um, from our first conversation I even said it to my wife this morning as I was leaving the house hey I'm interviewing Lyle uh, later today. Remember, he's the guy that talked about in the first interview, the daily five, and that's where I got my daily five from. So the insanely practical, that, that phrase that you had in there, that makes sense. And, and I think actually that's a good segue into digging into the book. I want to say the title, the full title is the five day leader An insanely practical guide for relentless growth, ridiculous routines and resilient relationships. So it might be a simplistic question, but I think it, it it's good to start with maybe some definitions and things. So what is the big idea that drives the narrative of this book?
1: I think there's two. First is that you know leadership, it, it, it really comes down to some very simple principles, but they're not easy to execute. The, the genesis of, of the whole project, I was on a plane and a gentleman asked me what I did and we started a conversation. And he said, well, who are the best leaders that you've ever worked with? And, you know, I, I, I gave some names. And but that night, I, you know, much like you, I have this curiosity. I'm like, why did why did I give him those names? Why why were those the, the ones that were so front of mind? And so I started to list characteristics or behaviors, because obviously we teach leadership as a behavior of those leaders who I have impressed me the most. What I found was there. There were really these three things. I mean, they they relentlessly committed to growth. I mean, I uh, Billy Donovan, who's now the coach of the Chicago Bulls. I mean, I I had a conversation with Billy after he had won two national championships at the University of Florida, and he wouldn't let me out of the room. He he just kept leaning in and saying, "And what else?" And tell me more. And And that behavior, how does that impact my wife and my kids? I mean, I know what it does for me as a coach. And I was just so impressed with his relentless commitment to growth uh, amongst other leaders that shared that same quality. The second is resilient relationships. I mean, we all talk about leaders being relational, but, but the goal is to build relationships that are gonna endure through a global pandemic, that are gonna endure through different seasons of life and different challenges. You know, our, uh, our company, Integris, I mean, we've grown to a point where everybody in our leadership team is leading in uncharted territory. We've never led anything this big before so our relationships are strained from time to time our decision making uh isn't as easy we're not nearly as confident as we used to be because we're doing things that we've never done before so how do your relationships stay intact with that and then the last one was just ridiculous routines it it became really clear to me that the great leaders don't get tired of doing the same good things over and over and over again and so I, i took that and thought okay if, if I could identify those things and then create a process, and the second big idea is this idea of compounding behaviors. Um, doing, doing these things every day or every week, the compounding impact of that could be exponential. And I just wanted to create a rhythm and a routine for leaders so that they could build their credibility and influence through these compounding behaviors.
0: Look, you're getting what you need from Lyle. Practical guidance from someone who lives it out. That's what this commercial is about, so pay attention. On April 28th, we're leading a half-day workshop focused entirely on reframing conflict. The good, the bad, the ugly, and that awkward stuff that you deal with in leadership. It all aids in your growth and influence as a leader. Or at least it can, which is why we're calling it reframing conflict but you need to be ready and you don't have to figure it out in the moment of conflict so take a step and get equipped from guys who are in teams now we are leading teams now patrick booth as the owner of two small businesses and me i'm the vp of sales with over 12 direct reports for ccb technology and i'm the vp of the impact of leadership media group we face real Difficult, awkward, hard situations, and we've failed a bunch. So learn from us. You will face difficult conversations as a leader. It's just part of it. You shouldn't attend something that wastes your time and money. Expensive theory is okay, but you need, I need real options for real life from real leaders. Now we've got your back. Click the link in the show notes to register and for more information. Now, back to Lyle Wells. When you uh, uh, somebody reads this book, what do you think the expectation should be of that reader
1: after they finish it? My expectation would be twofold. Number one, that, that they would take what's most relevant to them and really go and execute on it. I mean, you know, in scripture, they talk about Paul says, you know, that some people it's like looking in a mirror, and then they forget the image as soon as they walk away. I think that's the way we are with a lot of books. We read them and we're like, "Wow, that is great content," but we never really apply it. We we have head knowledge, but you know, but we don't really uh, execute on it in a practical way. So the first thing would be take some of the things that were really relevant to you and your leadership, and then the second thing is. Develop that mindset. I mean, the Five Day Leader. Uh, we could we could have easily taken the same concepts of this book and called it the Five Day Marriage, or the Five Day Parent, or the Five Day Pastor, uh, the Five Day Teacher. A lot of these concepts are universal, but uh, everybody's situation is slightly different. So, take what you've learned, apply what's relevant to you, but then also start thinking about what are some other behaviors that I should be executing on a regular rhythmic basis that would have an impact in my particular situation. I want to get into
0: some, some of the meat, some of the meat of the, of the book from what I've noticed is from the title to how the book is structured, even those things are practical. So you call the first half of the book, the first half or the fund, fundamentals. And the second half is called the second half and game time. So if you wouldn't mind it, could you walk us through the first half, the fundamentals, like kind of a kind of a flyover of what that looks like?
1: Yeah, I, I I just take those three principles that I just referenced, ridiculous routines, resilient relationships, and relentless growth, and just kind of build a case for why they're so important. You know, I, I have a good friend who's a psychotherapist, and he'll say, people won't change without an emotionally compelling reason. And so in the first half, I'm, I'm just trying to build that emotionally compelling reason for these are the three things that matter. I mean, it, you know, I've been married for 33 years. One of the reasons is because my wife and I, we, we've been committed to growth. Um, we've, we've built a resilient relationship where, you know, we've taken kids th- from birth through adolescence and now launched them into young adulthood. We've had multiple jobs. I've gotten fired twice, you know, and then there's just these these ridiculous routines. I mean, it's Friday that we're, it's a Friday today that we're recording this, uh, tonight's date night. And so, um, you know, it's just a ridiculous routine that we've instituted into our marriage. So it's it's really helping people understand this idea that that it really is easy. I, I'm sorry, it's really simple. To to understand the the foundations of what a great leader does, it's just not always easy to execute them.
0: So in the in the uh, first half, uh, just so the listener, uh, this is for you, the listener. Uh, I'll just give you a couple of the the titles of the chapters: overwhelmed and underresourced, five crippling myths, five minute uh, definition, people need le- leaders, relentless growth. I mean, this is very 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 practical stuff, and like Lyle just said. Just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. So, uh, Lyle, if you wouldn't mind,
1: what are the five crippling myths? Let me address a couple of them. Number sure. one is that, uh, that, that leadership is a gift and, and only certain people with extraordinary charisma are truly leaders. And, I mean, that couldn't be any further from the truth. The, one of the unique things, the perspectives that I bring to this is, you know, I work with churches all over the world, but I've also worked with public schools um, all over um, North America. I've worked with businesses globally. Uh, you know, I I've had the privilege of coaching professional athletes and Navy SEALs, and so I I see men and women that have a massive impact on their organization. They have high credibility and. And they're very influential and some of them are extreme introverts some of them don't have any of the charisma that we would normally associate with a uh you know with the hollywood um prototype of what a a leader is in movies or or tv shows so that's one i think the second one we we've talked a lot about is that that leadership is really complex and you have to have an mba or a theology degree to be an effective leader in in your space and I mean education is important but you know i I mean one of the most influential people in my life growing up was my grandmother and uh, I don't think my grandmother even made it out of high school you know she was insanely practical grandma had common sense I mean i I, I mean I, I, I laugh now because grandmother's solution to everything was get in the sun. If I had the sniffles as a little boy, she'd be like, you're getting a cold, get out in the sun. If You cut yourself. She'd be like, oh, you don't need a Band-Aid. Just go get in the sun. It'll dry it out. I mean, at one time, a dog, I grew up in the country. One of our dogs got hit by a car. She chained him up to a tree in the sun. She's like, ah, oh, the sun will heal his joints. I mean, the dog's limping. I'm like, really? You know, then we go through a global pandemic and, you know, and, and one of the things that's come out of the research post-pandemic is getting outside, being in the sun is really one of the healthiest things that a human being can do. I kind of chuckle at, at, at my grandma's country farm girl wisdom, but I mean, that's one of the other myths is that people think, well, I'm, I'm too young. I'm not educated enough. I don't have enough experience. You can be influential in whatever room you're in. It doesn't take a title. That's one of the other myths. It doesn't take a a degree on the wall. Leadership is simply about your behavior, Steve, and it's your behavior that influences others and drives outcomes.
0: You talk about leadership, growth, routines, relationships. I know this is kind of of another big question, but how, how would you say that leadership, growth, routines, and relationships kind of tie together?
1: i, I, I want i want you to think about it again in these two pillars of credibility and influence and for all the listeners you've you've been around men or women that have high credibility we we they know the answers they might be the smartest person in the room they can they can drive outcomes but they're hard to follow i mean they're 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 difficult people to get along with. They set expectations without clarifying what those really are. So in their mind, they have an expectation for you, but you really don't know what it is. They're they're high credibility, but low influence. I mean, Steve, you have an athletic background, you know, that that coach that yells all the time. I mean, they might know everything about the sport, but they're, they're hard to play for because they're not overly influential. The other side is We've all had those, those people, it might be a classroom teacher or a pastor or a parent. I mean, they loved us deeply. I mean, they were highly influential. We, we, we adored them. We respected them, but credibility wise, did they really know what they were talking about? I I, I remember one time as an athlete, you know, playing for a coach that was just, he was the nicest guy on the planet but I don't think he knew that there were supposed to be five players on the court in basketball. Like that's how, how little basketball he knew. And I'm like, what's up? But I mean, I love the guy. He, I mean, he was great to us. He, you know, so the best of the best leaders have credibility and influence. And so that's why, you know, when you think about it, uh, um, relentless growth, you're, you're always growing. You're always learning. You're, you're constantly striving to have more tools in your toolbox that builds credibility, resilient relationships. You're, you you're, you're showing unconditional love, compassion, empathy, uh, for others on a consistent basis. And so that builds influence. And then together, you know, when you talk about ridiculous routines, who, who doesn't feel safe when a person is predictable, I mean, you know, we we know how they're going to react. So emotionally, we're we have security with them, but it also builds credibility. Those three all kind of point towards point that arrow up and to the right on both credibility and influence. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple. Of qu- I mean,
0: I've highlighted a bunch of stuff in the book, but uh, page twenty: if leadership isn't about others, it's broken, um, and then. Uh, you talk about um, uh, relationships and what it means to be in a relationship with people. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're not holding them accountable. Kind of kind of like the, that coach that you talked about. Uh, you can't, being a nice person go so far, but credibility, yeah, it goes hand in hand. So that's good. Uh, page 47 is another one that I'd like you to maybe take a, a minute or two to expand on because uh, I loved this phrase. A priority isn't a priority until it's resourced. So a priority isn't a priority until it's resourced. Can you unpack that for us a little bit?
1: If, if we state that something matters and we say it's priority, I think organizationally, Steve, it needs three things. Number one, it needs time. You can't say it matters and not give it an appropriate amount of time. It needs you know, to be resourced usually by money or, or by other tools. And then the last thing is it needs some of your best people. Uh, when I was a high school principal, a uh, part of my my professional growth was to go and visit other schools that on what was called an accreditation visit. And you know, it, it, it was always interesting to me because you know every every decade or so a school needs to recertify its accreditation. And so I was on one of the teams that would go and and either recommend or not recommend a school for accreditation. And Um, So, you know, you show up and and there's always a welcome party, right? I mean, they've got the, you know, the school board president saying hello, the choir sings, the PTA president mom is there, whatever. And they've got this great, you know, meal for you. And they tell you their vision and their priorities. I would always ask them, you know what, Uh, tomorrow morning, I mean, tonight was fun, but tomorrow morning, I want to see a couple of things. Number one, I want to see your budget. Because your budget's going to tell me what's really important here at the school. And so don't tell me how much academics matter if you've got a $350,000 football budget and $3,500 budget for your English department. I mean, I think, I, I think your priorities are a little different than what you're telling people. And the other thing I always say is, you know, I want to see the principal's calendar. Because your calendar is going to tell you what, what really matters. Uh, where you're investing your time. Um, I want to know where your best teachers are. I mean, that tells me, you know, what matters most. So uh, we found that out in the pandemic a lot was that, you know, people were were really being challenged because resources were shrinking. And so now you had to really define what your priorities were because there was a limited amount of resources. I mean. Time was limited. I mean, you cut staff, budgets were impacted. So, um, where your resources go ultimately defines, to me, what your priorities are.
0: Mm, that's good. Um, before I jump to the second half of the book, I've got to ask you about routines. That was a highlight for me and, and many listeners in, in the first episode uh, with you. So, wh- what do
1: you have? What do you have to say, or how do you feel about the? ridiculous routines? We're all, to some extent, creatures of habit. I, I like to find a rhythm. I, what, what I've learned, whether it's, it's sleep patterns, you know, Steve, I've, I get on 150 or so airplanes a year. I'm in different parts of our country and, and you know, at times all over the world. Uh, what, you know, so here, here's a simple routine. I stay on central time. As much as I can now. If I'm in London, that becomes a bit of a challenge. But you know, here in the U.S., whether I'm on the East Coast or the West Coast, I live in Texas, so I stay on Central Time. And I, I you know, I go to bed at nine o'clock and I get up at four four a.m. here on Central Time. I'm, I've always been an early morning guy, so it gets really interesting when I go to the West Coast because you know I go to bed around seven and I get up at two and You know, I mean, I'll tell you, there's great bandwidth uh, in the hotel at 2 a.m. because nobody else is on Wi-Fi, so I get a, you know, I, I mean, I I get a lot done. But I think physically, we're wired for rhythms and routines. But I think mentally, I mean, when when you study brain function, uh, it it will say very much the same thing. And and I think also emotionally that that there. There's just something about the predictability, and I mean, I'm not Steve Jobs. I don't wear the same thing every single day, so because I don't want to waste intellectual capital on deciding what to wear. I'm not quite that extreme, but you know, this idea about compounding behavior. So I'll give you a fun one. This year, in December, I kind of brainstormed my goals for the next year, and um, you know, I've been reading some stuff. I'm, you know, I just turned 60 years old. And I've been reading stuff about, you know, your muscle mass goes away when you get into your late 50s and your early 60s. And I thought, well, then I need to do more push-ups and, and uh, more squats. Like, I, my large muscle groups, I need to make sure. And I, listen, I'm by, I'm the last thing. I'm, I couldn't be further away from a bodybuilder. I'm 6'3", 190 pounds. I'm a skinny guy. But so uh, I've never really been a weightlifter or anything. But I said, okay. I'm going to do 10,000 push-ups and 10,000 uh, squats in this new year. And I don't know why that number came to me, but I'm like, that sounds like a lot. But when you break it down, Steve, it's 28 a day. I mean, it's just 365 times 28. So every morning, first thing I get out of bed, I, you know, I do my 28 push-ups and my 28 squats, and uh, I'm ready to go for the day. But it's just that idea that a little bit every day, can can really lead to a to a big result. So if you're not an overly nurturing leader, I mean I know you live in the tech space. There's some people in the tech space. They're they're not people they they they're just not natural people people. But hey, you know what? Have two conversations a day. Uh, I tell them things like stay in a conversation one question longer than you normally would all day long. So a person comes and drop something off. And, you know, instead of saying, uh, is, is, is this everything that I asked for stay one more question and go, Hey, what are you going to do this weekend? We're going to, my wife and I are going out to dinner tonight, ask the server, Hey, what do you, what do you do for fun when you're not working? I mean, just one question more, if you'll just develop that routine, it makes you overtly more relational.
0: Moving to the second half of the book called game time. So now it's game time. So, what is the what is the five day leader process?
1: Well, uh, I just simply pick three challenges each day um, and a theme. So, Monday is Move the Needle Monday. You know, a lot of people kind of dread Mondays. I got to go back to work. Well, look, Monday could actually be one of the most productive days of the week. It actually should be coming off a weekend. So, Move the Needle Monday. What are what are three behaviors that would move the needle on Monday? Tuesday we call tough Tuesday. So let's make Tuesday that grind day. And, you know, Wednesday's wow Wednesday, we have throwback Thursday, and today is finish strong Friday, but just three simple challenges. And the genesis of that, Steve, is, um, uh, you know, I I started to notice in the fitness space, uh, a lot of my friends, they either love Peloton or Orange Theory and i'm and so i'm curious like you i'm inquisitive and so i'm like what is it that you love about peloton and they're like oh you know they track everything you know they tell me you know what my revolutions need to be they tell me what my what my resistance needs to be and then there's this scoreboard where i'm being measured against other people and i can look at people my age or and compete against them like i I know a guy, I wouldn't call him a friend because I think he's a little crazy, but I know a guy like, like his, he's in the top 10 and you know, like, like you go to some of these rides on Peloton and been done 30 or 40,000 times and he's in the top 10, like he's become so obsessed with it, but, but I realized that people like to be challenged and and you know orange theory is the same way you know they you know everybody's heart rates up on a monitor on a screen in the room as they work out and so that's that was the idea is give people three simple challenges and really you know you could you could knock them out in about 10 minutes a day i mean most of them and so the idea was you know i mean some people just starting out maybe you're a a one check the box day on monday on tuesday on wednesday that's great because the power of that compounding behavior, you do that one thing every Monday for a year and you've made a massive impact. So that was the thing. For hyper-competitive people like you, you'll want to try to do all three every day. Um, For other people, that's fine. I mean, I, I don't, you know, there are times life gets away from me. I don't, I'm not able to get all three done every day, but it's my goal. And I've been doing this, uh, you know, I mean, I I started the book back in um, the early parts of 2020. And so, you know, now I'm three years into trying to do these simple behaviors every day. Um, And uh, it's just made a a massive impact because the other thing that I've learned is it starts out as being uh, something you do, Steve, but You know, so something you do, I'm going to stay in conversations one question longer. But as it becomes more natural to you, it's just simply who you are. And then you're doing it without even thinking and you're just naturally more relational. So the goal is moving us from it being something we do to really a lifestyle and something that we are. As you've coached leaders, uh, because you you mentioned before the different
0: verticals and spaces that you've been in, but leadership has been kind of that theme, regardless of their title, regardless of the industry that they're in, as you've coached leaders, what are uh, leaders most often not
1: prioritizing when it comes to their personal growth? Steve, that's the best question you've asked me in two podcasts. So thank you for that. I, I would say two things. Number one is oftentimes they're not prioritizing their own personal growth. I mean, uh, people that read the book, I mean, you highlighted the quote, if it's not about others it's broken. What we have to understand is that personal growth is really an oxymoron because when you grow personally, Steve, it's for the benefit of everybody else. When Steve becomes more nurturing or or you, you know, you determine what your priorities are every move the needle Monday for each week. Well, now you become more efficient. You become more consistent, which means everybody that works with you gets the benefit of that. And so I think the first thing is that they don't really prioritize their own growth because they think it's selfish and really it's one of the least selfish things you can do. I think the other thing is um, they they don't prioritize this idea of growing a little bit every day, you know on on a regular or a rhythmic basis. they, they, they save up and go to one retreat a year or, you know, every year on vacation, they pick one book that they're going to read and whether it's Lencioni or, you know, the next version of Good to Great. And um, I'm like, no, go on vacation. When you're on vacation, go on vacation, read a novel, take a nap, go for a long walk. Let's make growth part of our daily routine, just like nutrition for um, our body, prayer for our soul. Let's let's make just simple, simple behavioral growth a part of our daily routine, and that was the goal of the five day leader.
0: Well, I could talk to you for another uh, hour and a half or two hours about this stuff, and then do a push up challenge where
1: you would beat me in that. In that, <laughs> no. At the end listen, of the- <laughs> those Steve, those twenty eight. Sometimes those come in sets of seven. Like, let's not make any myths here that I'm knocking out all twenty eight at once. I mean that's a goal but r- right now here in march I'm doing two sets of 14 and feeling pretty good about it.
0: Man, see that even that. That is you're living this stuff out, Lyle. That, that that's why I'm so glad to have you back on here. We want to highlight leaders that are living this stuff out and thank you for sharing that cuz that's good. Nobody really posts stuff like that on LinkedIn <laughs> where it's, you know, uh, or or Instagram. It's always the perfect pose and the perfect you know. So thank you for saying that. All right, so wrapping this thing up, I've gotten an, uh, a situational thing for you, and you'll get the point of it. So you're at lunch with a leader and you've just walked them through the insanely practical guide of the five day leader, like we just talked about. And their question to you
1: is, where do I start? You know, what would you leave them with? Yeah, I'd ask them two questions. I'd say number one, you know, if you could fix one area of your life or one relationship or you know what w- w- you know, what's causing you, you know, we say to lose sleep or, or what's got you concerned. I mean, I'll always, you want it, you, you want to start there, but I, I would, you know, if I was having lunch with you right now, I'd say, which one, you know, you read the book, which one of the five days got you most excited. And then I'd say, okay, then pick one thing from wow Wednesday and, and just start doing that. And, um, uh, and, and get some momentum there and then pick one thing from, back Thursday and, and try to get some momentum there. I again I, I agree with you I think in this Instagram everybody posts their perfect picture society. we, we don't realize that growth is messy. I remember you know I, I, you know I'm a runner, not a not a good one. I, I think in the book I said even when I'm not being chased uh, I do enjoy running but I remember one time Steve I mean early in the morning it was a Saturday morning and I'm flipping through the channels. And there is a, a show on ESPN called Running and Racing. And I'm like, wow, that looks interesting. And in five minutes, I mean, I, I, I was ready to stop running because, you know, they were showing all these, you know, marathon runners running 26 five minute miles. I couldn't run a five minute mile if I only had to run one. And I got so discouraged. And I'm like, wait a minute, this, this is not doing anything for my motivation or for my heart and soul. It's, you know, the beauty is, um, you know, that we all run our own race and there are going to be parts of, of the five-day leader process that are really easy and natural for you. There's going to be parts that are going to be a little more challenging. So I would say start with the things that are easy for you um, and just start to get a rhythm and get some wins and get some confidence and then attack the things that are a little bit harder. But I would say start slow, start simple, you know we're all out of school. Nobody's getting a report card, and you know um, the Bible says His mercies are new every day. So you know if if it's Wow Wednesday and and you don't you don't get to any of the three of them, no big deal. Thursday's coming. Friday's coming. Just every day is a new day, and when you put some really good days together, that's how you build a life, and that's how you build a legacy as a leader. Lyle,
0: spending time with you is time well spent. And I, I seriously, thank you so much for uh, this conversation. I've selfishly been looking forward to this. I know that others that are listening to this will get something out of it. But every time I dig into whether it's your teaching or, or what you do with Integris or uh, these conversations, I'm better for it. So thank you uh, for, for making time for this. Thank you for writing this book. For those that are listening in, as always, check the show notes. I'm going to have links social media stuff, pointing back to where you can get this book and where you connect with with Lyle and his team at Integris. Uh, but again, Lyle, thank you so much for being on today.
1: Well, Steve, I um, one of your great, great gifts is your curiosity, your hunger to learn. And I just thank you that you've taken that gift and leveraged it in a way through this podcast that uh, all of us get the opportunity to learn and grow as a benefit of your curiosity and the great questions that you ask. So thank you. All right, this is the
0: part of the show for the takeaways and the action items. First, the takeaways. There are practical leadership guides out there. Lyle and his book are examples of that. Number two, it's not complicated to lead well. Number three, growth is messy. Go anyway. Number four, this one is specific to me, but I thought I should share it anyway. I, I'm getting better at this podcast thing. Not because I think so. Actually, contrary to that, I, I don't often think I'm getting better. But Lyle said it was the best question in two podcasts. That's encouraging to me because I often wonder, what the heck am I doing I'm not a professional at this stuff or all of those other imposter syndrome thoughts. So it's taken 140-ish podcasts, but I'm encouraged by what Lyle said. I'm getting a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. Action items. Number one, start slow. Start simple. Get some wins. Number two, pick up Lyle's book. Now, if you go to the link in the show notes, it'll take you to Amazon check out the reviews. You might get a kick out of the one that I... (music) One more reminder for you. Scroll down to see the links in the show notes. I put several things there, including a link to over 70 IOL blogs covering various topics within leadership and also ways for you to connect with Lyle. I've also got the link to our reframing conflict workshop. You got to register now because we're not going to keep it open forever. If you thoughts of someone during this episode, please consider sending it to them with a note of encouragement. We want to replicate the good feeling that you had as you were listening to Lyle. So send it to somebody. Or if you need something to post on social media, don't forget to tag the Impact of Leadership. We want to engage with you. Now we have over 130 episodes similar to this one that will aid in your growth as a leader. So follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're using. You'll have access to all of them. And if you are so inclined, leave a review. It helps us spread the word and it gives us a note of encouragement. And as a reminder, don't forget to check the show notes. Where are the show notes? Just scroll down. I'll put big letters, show notes. Now I can't wait to be with you all again soon, but until then, from all of us here at the Impact of Leadership, thank you for listening.